Hello, and welcome to the Great Birth Rebellion podcast, where we grapple with current research to help you get the best out of your pregnancy, birth, and postpartum journey while still challenging the dominant birth culture. I'm your host, Dr. Melanie Jackson at Melanie the Midwife, and I'm joined weekly by my co-host, B from Core and Flora Store, and this is the Great Birth Rebellion. Hey, we're here again. Great Birth Rebellion podcast here with Mel and B, and today we're talking about sleeping during pregnancy. Sorry, I'm on the wrong podcast. I, I thought this was a different one. I've got to go. From <laughs> the Great Birth Rebellion podcast, uh, but we're not talking about birth. We're talking about sleep, which is just as, if not more important than birth, but True warning. True warning. We do it every night. Some people do it well. Some people don't do it. Um, Such a big contributing factor to our wellness, isn't it? Oh, man. There was lots. As I was researching for this episode, there was lots of research papers that I just steered clear of because I thought it was not the time for it, but sleep deprivation and its connection to postpartum and antepartum depression. So we're not going to talk about mental health this episode because it could get big it's going to be fairly she's saying that to me you know she's not saying that to you listeners she's saying it to me let's put that down on the list so we will cover it yeah sleep deprivation definitely needs to be spoken about but today we're going to talk about sleep during pregnancy in a bit of a different way um less about deprivation and just other stuff practical stuff But before we do that, some super important information about the Convergence of Rebellious Midwives Conference. So, drum roll. We, if you haven't yet worked out what's going on, B and I are hosting a Convergence of Rebellious Midwives Conference in August of this year, 2024, in Sydney, Darling Harbour. So, this may be news to you. Yes, we are. And there's not many tickets left. Correct. So when I opened it, I opened up ticket sales and within three weeks, the two workshops sold out and the conference was half sold. And so there was a lot of interest and part of the interest was in the payment plan. So for anybody who's not yet explored the conference and what it costs and where it is and all the details, if you go to melaniethemidwife.com, there's a button there that you can click and it takes you through to the ticketing and all the information about the conference. You'll see there there's a six-month payment plan. So you can pay your ticket off over six months. The trick with that is, is that it's got to all be paid by July. So it's January now. So in about a week's time, I'm closing down that payment plan option. And the only option there will be to come and attend the Convergence of Rebellious Midwives Conference will be if you pay for your ticket fully up front. So if you want to come to the conference and you want to do that in small increments paying off your ticket, then you've got about a week left. We're recording this. It'll be mid-January when you hear this episode. By the end of January 2024, you'll only be able to buy a full price ticket. So take advantage. Go to melaniethemidwife.com. Get that six-month payment plan if you'd like to join us in August in Sydney for the convergence. That's my announcement. My announcement is that if anyone would like to do any of the emotional work that I often talk about and you hear me kind of slide into some episodes, the Modern Mum Village is open and you can get a spot on it now. And that is all around basically 
creating a village for it's emotional coaching that's what it is it's to support us to repair in ourselves and work through our triggers and understand our feelings and feel safer with them in order to be the best versions of ourselves as mums in our mum role in our partner role in our paid work role in all the different roles so that is opening there'll be a link uh, that is open and there is a link to that below well yeah everyone's going to be on this um because of last week's episode everybody's now gone oh man we've got to think about postpartum so stay tuned yeah get in the village get in the village all right opening twice a year this is it this one and then mid-year only opens twice so get into it sleep in pregnancy this is a big one uh just a lot of love if you're not getting a lot of sleep i feel like the people coming to this episode will be because they're not getting a lot of sleep at the moment. Maybe you're listening to this at 2am. So just good morning. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to us. Um, There's some dedicated listeners out there. So just, yeah, thank you for being here and supporting us always. Yeah. All right. Well, today we're going to talk all about sleeping pregnancy, including sleeping positions for safety and comfort, the right techniques for getting in and out of bed, the mount and dismount, and managing nighttime pregnancy waking because that can be a real bitch. So we're going to jump, let's jump into it. Um, I'm going to start with the sleeping positions to increase safety and just explain why you've probably been told to sleep on your back. Or no, you they haven't been told to sleep on their back. Oh, no, <laughs> not to sleep on your back. Don't sleep on your back. Oh, my gosh, here comes the lawsuits. Okay, I'm going to reiterate, do not. This is why you've been told not to sleep on your back. You just need to record the word not. And yeah. This is why you've been told not to sleep on your back when you're pregnant. So, whew, okay, dodge that bullet. Please keep listening so I can fix that error. All right, so the advice to pregnant women is that from 28 weeks onwards, you should start your sleeping journey at nighttime or any time, even if you're having a daytime nap. Start on your side, right side, left side. Honestly, don't get caught up in if what's better. There's been some talk about left side's better, increases blood supply to the placenta. But honestly, that's, that's, what, that's what's advised. Well, the current recommendation, well, the New South Wales current recommendation is is just pick a side, doesn't matter which side. Uh, Because many people are being told the left, which is part of decreasing the risk of stillbirth. Uh, But anyway, I just have to mention that. But, yeah, some people are being told left. So the research is saying it doesn't matter a side, just pick a side. Yes, pick a side. You know, there are some research papers that have found better blood flow on the left. But do not send your left side numb and, like, favour an uncomfortable sleep because someone has said left side sleeping. Turn over, go other side. It's totally fine. So the reason why they advise women not to sleep on their back beyond 28 weeks is that your uterus is sitting at the front. Behind your uterus, there's some big major blood vessels that that belong to the mum the vena cava is one of them, and the aorta is also somehow involved in the size of your baby and where it lands when you fall asleep. So if you imagine the baby at the front, then there's a whole stack of major blood vessels behind that, and then your spine and your kidneys. If you lie flat on your back 
and your growing baby rests on those major blood vessels, there have been MRI studies that show that in late pregnancy, mothers who lay like this put pressure on these major blood vessels and can reduce their own blood flow around their body by 80%. And that the woman's aorta, which is a main blood vessel from your heart, is also partly compressed in this position. And that reduces blood flow, oxygen delivery, not only to the woman, but her uterus, placenta, and the baby. And the other thing that they've noticed is a change in the baby's activity while women are lying flat on their backs. And that is a reduction in fetal movement and an increase in fetal heart rate um, deceleration. So more often the baby's heart rate drops a little and comes back. So when we talk about not sleeping on your back, we talk about don't go to sleep on your back. It doesn't, like if you wake up and you're like, oh no, I'm on my back. That's okay. These studies have all looked at the initial going to sleep sleep position. And so if you wake up, that's the most important thing. You woke up, which probably means you or your baby weren't compromised because you're awake and you're feeling okay. Just roll back onto your side. Don't give it another thought about having woken up on your back. If you're really worried, about waking up on your back or it seems to be something that you keep doing and you don't want to do it anymore, just prop a little pillow behind you and then if you do roll on your back, you're slightly tilted and that's enough to move the baby off those major blood vessels if that's what you're worried about. If we talk about trusting the body, we trust the body's messages and so I'm always like, yeah, the body's woken up for a reason. Sometimes we understand it, sometimes we don't. I remember I'd wake up really breathless sometimes in pregnancy. Um, Sometimes I'd wake up with anxiety and so when the feelings weren't being dealt with that came out in sleep and I would wake up. And so, you know, rather than shift into self-blame or criticism, move into compassion and, and acknowledgement. Hey, thanks, body. Thanks for waking me up. You know, it's it's everything we're doing in pregnancy is training our minds for birth as well. So thanks. I trust that you woke me up. Thank you so much. I'm going to roll over now. And I think this is the biggest thing that I see with this statement is that people think they have to sleep in one position the whole night. And this guidance that has being intended to do good often results in harm because people are getting super anxious and then they're not able to go back to sleep and they're freaking out that something's happened to them and their baby. If intuitively you feel like something is not right with your baby, always, always consult your care provider, always. Your intuition is huge. But this is where we stop and pause and go, is it my mind here that is saying crazy things? And then because maybe I've misinterpreted the information, like I need to sleep in that position all night, for example, or is my body telling me something isn't right here? And it's that just that beautiful pause and reflection, what's going on for me? What do I need to hear right now? Oh, I need to hear, yeah. Yeah, call your midwife or your doctor or present to the hospital or actually, no, I'm fine. My body has just woken me up. I'm going to roll over. So the research is on how you go to sleep. And the reason for that is the position you go to sleep in is predominantly the position you stay in for the majority of your sleep until you often wake up. So we've got in the show notes, you'll see there's a link there to the sleepy belly pillows. One of the greatest Instagram reels I ever saw was of this guy 
and they're like the best thing about your baby being born and then he runs in the house and he gets those super long the super long pregnancy pillows that takes up the whole bed and he runs with it to like you know that music dun, 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 like and he runs through his house and then he just like like throws it out of the house like as if he never has to sleep in the bed with that pillow again like he's like sleeping next to you is like sleeping next to a drunk octopus trying to find its car keys <laughs> but having those pillows that support you so yeah you can use the cord, code core and get 10% off sleepy belly they make little smaller pillows so you can just pop one behind your back you can just pop one under to support your belly because pillows can be a beautiful way to just prop yourself up if you do have fear around this and b you're going to super appreciate what i'm about to do now because we have a mutual friend b was very best friends with jono anderson if you're listening sarah and jono anderson at when you were at school right I totally forgot about that connection. Okay, well, fun story. When I was pregnant with my first baby, he gave me his wife, Sarah, Sarah's pregnancy pillow. He offered it to me, I guess as a way of offloading it. He named it because they inherited it from somebody else. So its name is Susie the Floozy, and he named it that because it's been between everyone's legs, he says. And I've got it here. It's now part of my pillow setup on my bed for my clients when they come and have like, when they come and have their antenatal appointments. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm about to do a pregnancy pillow demonstration. If you're listening to this recorded on podcasts, I mean, you'll still enjoy the audio. I'm about to go get it. One second. Susie the Fruity making her debut on the Great Birth Rebellion podcast. Oh, Jono, for those listening, Jono was my absolute best friend in years 11 and 12. We did Duke of Ed together and I just adore him. He's the most phenomenal human. Oh, Mel's doing it. She's cuddling. I feel like she's cuddling Susie. Oh, that's a beautiful demonstration. Thanks, This is Susie the floozy, but she's too big. So I think that's why I'm loving the sleepy belly, sleepy belly pillows because they're actually smaller and you can, I found I had one of those at some point in my pregnancy and it just, because it was one unit, it never got to go everywhere where I needed it to be. It's definitely a gang affair with pillows. Like it's a village. You need a village of pillows in pregnancy. And if you do have that village, you don't have to take them all with you when you roll like rolling in your sleep or, or rolling in bed while you're pregnant is like moving house. Yep. Um, you take everything with you. So if you have smaller pillows and you will continue to use them in other pregnancies and you will continue to use them. Also for breastfeeding, early postpartum, you need yep. all those pillows to support your body so that you can rest into breastfeeding. So, you know, we brought from the people who brought you the bed lasagna, we now bring you the pillow fort. Pillow so, fort. Pillow fort. So you need to construct your bedtime pillow fort, which should probably include give or take a head pillow, one pillow each side of you, so one for your belly, one for your back, and one between your legs. And then when you roll over, then you can rest your belly on what used to be the back pillow and keep the in-between-your-leg pillow, bring that one with you potentially. That's what I used to do. I used to bring the between-the-leg pillow with me, but there was a pillow right side and left side and one at my head so that my belly always had a place to land, knees had to take the pillow with them. 
Yeah, and I do want to say, and Amel, I'm sorry, I'm critiquing your belly, your modelling before, but we really want the pillows in the legs, and I say pillows because often we need to, we actually want it to span the whole leg length. And so what I find we actually need is because you want to actually keep the hips stacked. So a big cause of hip and back pain in pregnancy is because that top knee actually hangs down. And so you think about if you were to hold your position like that for eight hours or, you know, even two or three, that top hip, the knee comes down to meet the bed and the bottom leg ends up straight. And so we actually want the hips stacked not that top hip rolling over so much and that can happen when we just have one pillow that perhaps isn't high enough or we're not keeping the legs stacked so when you bring one leg over the other so hip stacked leg stacked so you actually want the thighs on top of each other and the calves on top of each other now look I really want to say here we can give all the tips in the world take them if they work for you I think the best advice ever is when it when it lands for you and it goes oh intuitively this feels good for me so if you try these tips and they don't feel good in terms of the pillows 100% don't do them this is just in terms of the body and alignment and trying to keep that alignment keeping hips just hips knees ankles think of those three points or stacks if you've got a pillow between your thighs and a pillow between your calves that typically keeps you stacked rather than twisting because it's huge to hold your body in a twisted movement so yeah stack stack the joints and use pillows to do that and then in terms of rolling over just to mention that it was like moving house but there's two tips i have with this or two ways and it, it's up to you to figure out which way feels better. Lots of people naturally want to roll on their backs and go from side to side um, with their back still on the bed. It will be much better for some people to actually roll the other way and face the mattress and roll with your belly towards the mattress rather than your belly away. Does that make sense in the, in the land of listening? makes sense in the land of listening but I'm imagining pregnant women getting up and rolling in a way so their belly would have to be towards the mattress but then rolling onto their partner so this I feel like you'd almost need to do like a three-point turn midair no because you just come under yourself and the reason it works really well is because people use their upper body strength for it and they're not actually just exposing the giant torso to that movement. So you come under yourself. So you use your elbows and your arms and you push up onto all fours and that can be really nice. And when you're in all fours, you might want to do a little get freaky with it, cat cow and a little stretch. Maybe you come into child's pose if you're trying to keep yourself in that sleepy phase. You just keep rolling the other way the reason it works really well as well as the upper body strength is you actually keep your knees together more so the issue with rolling with the back to the bed is that people tend to open themselves up and they'll take one arm and leg and then bring the other arm and leg in close so if rolling onto your belly and going on all fours to roll around so belly towards bed doesn't feel good for you and you want to do it the other way 
a beautiful thing to do is just bring your knees up together. So you want to keep your knees together. And this is really important for those with pelvic girdle pain. Keep the knees together, knees up to the ceiling and use your heels and your arms. And so think of it as little increments. We don't want to just do a full 180. We want to do little increments. And so it's elbows and knees or hands and knees, keeping the knees together and, and we do our 600-point turn to the other side. So push up, rotate, or, or twist a little bit. And so it's really trying to keep that body in alignment. So shoulders, ribs, hips, knees, ankles all move beautifully together with exhale. Connection to muscle is super important, and often people need that mind-to-muscle connection better. But the biggest thing is is controlling pressure. And one way we do that is with breath. So to decrease the amount of pressure in your body the most, we exhale on all movements. So we exhale on the easy parts and we exhale on the effort. Then once we're able to control the pressure a little bit more, you know, as soon as you have a baby, you're exercising, you're getting up out of bed, you're picking your baby up out of a cot, you're walking around with a heavy weight, aka your baby. So it's exercise. And so it's really important you start to understand how you manage pressure in your body. And so exhaling on any time you're moving is a really beautiful way to decrease that pressure and not be bearing down on the pelvic floor. And so that's what we see most people when they go to get up out of bed or they rotate in bed, we see this coning and doming through the abdomen, which is an increase of pressure through that connective tissue. And so we want to try and decrease that by using our breath and recruiting other areas of our body to support the movement. So we're not just trying to move with holding our breath and twisting. We're using our arms now. We're using our heels. We're using our breath. And all of a sudden we're moving the house. So go forwards, go on your belly, or if you're going belly out, keep the body straight, little increment, little increment, little increment, little increment, roll over. And this is where having extra pillows can be super helpful because you're not having to take them all with you. And a king bed is, you know, is your bed, is your current bed situation serving you? If it isn't, what do you need it to look like? Because you spend one third of your life in that space. So it should be serving you. It needs to be serving you and if it isn't what can you do about it that's one of my tips as well today if you're uncomfortable in pregnancy invest I mean it'll be a few thousand dollars really yeah it's a big investment it is just shout out to people who are financially struggling at the moment and I'm I'm so sorry that that's happening for you yeah but it can actually be a real financially worthwhile investment because you might feel way better Spend less money on an osteopath and a chiropractor. Get better sleep. You won't need to buy supplements and do relaxation techniques because you're comfortable. Yeah, comfort, it's huge. We all need to know what your mattress is. Oh, I just have one of those koala mattresses. Yeah, I've seen those advertised. I I have two, or the kids have koala mattress. I have a, my husband doesn't like them. They're on the firmer side. I got it when, because we co-slept with both of our babies and the mattress that we had had this really thick overlay and it was quite soft and squishy and it was a bit kind of rippled and I wanted a flat, firm surface for when we were co-sleeping. So we got it for that and then I really liked it. So anyway, that's what I've got, koala. Um, But I I do think 
soft mattresses for our pregnant bodies and postpartum bodies can make us work a little bit harder because there's not that resistance to move against and um, we sink into it, which then means we need to push out of it more to, to turn. And so maybe just inviting you to see if if soft is perfect for you and if it is great and if it's not maybe invest in something a little bit more harder yeah yes so okay so we spoke about lying on your side and supporting that with appropriate pillow fort activity and decreasing the anxiety if you wake up please don't stress you've woken up you're you're well roll over go back to sleep back to sleep so they're going to be going back to sleep with us in their heads now Mel and B told me to go back to sleep and go back to sleep. I'm back to sleep because, and I'm just going to go back to sleep on my side. Yeah. The recommendation here is your initial going to sleep position. That's important. So pillow between your legs, doing all the stacking like B said, and then when you're rolling over, go front ways instead of back ways. So belly towards the mattress and up and over and, and use all those accessory muscles. And then getting out of bed is the next thing. So getting it's- in and out of bed. We're going to have a full getting in and out of bed tutorial in a moment. Ooh. Yeah, by B, by you. You're going to run that. If you wouldn't mind giving us all an in and out of bed tutorial in a moment, that would be greatly appreciated. Okay, so you roll onto your side and you use your elbows and an exhale to bring yourself up to seated and then you wiggle forward to the edge of the bed and you exhale and come up in it. It's a squat. It's a squat to come up. So think about how you squat down and then how you come out of the squat. So rather than throwing yourself up and throwing yourself to the side and throwing yourself out of bed, roll onto the side with intention, exhale, use those strong arms to push yourself up. Use the arms to bring your bum to the edge of the bed exhale try and get those feet on the floor and again if your feet can't touch the floor maybe you want to bring your bed down a little bit more or just wriggling 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 come down get those heels on the ground exhale and come up so rather than flinging out your head moves more to the ceiling and you bring the feet connected with the earth to come up Mm -hmm. I do lots of demonstrations of that in all my programs fully what about getting into bed? I've seen some women like who have really high beds and they literally have to like swing their leg up and their knee up and hoist new themselves bed. up. Get a new bed. It's like it, the, it came in because of germs, right, I, and like affluency of like, you know, peasants are on the ground, poor people on the ground, poor people grovel. So the floor was associated with sickness and poorness. And we don't like either of those things. So we lifted everything off the ground and it just doesn't make sense for our bodies in terms of the way our bodies function. Because if you watch children, how do they get up off the ground? They roll over onto all fours and they bring their feet up to meet their hands and they have their feet flat on the ground to do so. And then they come up in a squat. And that is why we have to learn to squat before we learn to stand. Squatting is a, is an imperative step in learning to stand and then walk. And so we don't move functionally, but the majority of what we bring into our life wreaks havoc on our body and we call them comfort mechanisms. But nothing comfortable about climbing into a massive bed when you're pregnant. So get a step. If you need to, 
get a step, have it by the bed, especially with pelvic girdle pain. So anything with pelvic girdle pain, you want to keep the legs together, but get some steps to get in and, it, and you're just reversing the squat or the, the technique that I just talked about. So sit down first and then roll onto your side and then well, you're sleeping on your side anyway. Yeah, you're just rolling down and it's using that exhale. So anything that feels hard, bring an exhale to it. We often hold our breath to increase pressure. So we've got more strength. We really want to just keep breathing. Use that breath, use that breath and learn how to breathe properly, which you can learn in my programs and the live classes that we do. But learn how to breathe properly, bring the breath into the whole torso. So it's going to depend on your bed and what you've got, but it really is. And then I teach in core and floor, if it feels right, if you're not suffering from pelvic floor tension and and you're learning to activate with these muscles again, especially the deep core and the pelvic floor, I add activation to these techniques so actually lifting the pelvic floor wrapping the core on on your exhale and your movement and and bringing the muscle activation in along with the breath really gives our body the strength that's needed for this movement and so it's really about moving intentionally and having the mind to body connection for the movement and this is where I'm like if we can move better throughout our day we actually don't need massive exercise sessions or rehab sessions because we're actually moving with intention we're moving the way we're biologically designed to we're supporting the body and we're keeping the body in better alignment because when we don't move functionally the body is often forced out of alignment in order to do what it needs to do and the body is super obedient it'll do exactly what it wants us to do but our at our own expense so yeah, it's just being conscious. Okay, so now we know how to roll in bed, get up and down out of bed, how to construct our pillow fort. Can I also add, when you're turning, it can make it a lot easier if you take your blankies off first, do the turn without having to consider where your blankets are all turning up, like mm-hmm. and then having to 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 turn to kind of pull them around and over you, and then you can bring them back or tell your partner to put them back over you when you get into a comfortable position. That's my top tip for turning in bed. Yeah, you live in a cold place. I do. We live in the Blue Mountains where we have to wear blankies like seven months of the year. So the other thing you can do for improving comfort in sleep, so if you suffer from something like restless legs or leg cramps at night, particularly when you're pregnant, then magnesium spray next to your bed. So this is actually really easy to make. So if you just Google magnesium spray or you can buy magnesium spray, it's super cheap, really, really rapid working. And you just spray it on the parts that are cramping or if you've got restless legs, you can spray it on your legs. Or if you get back cramps or you're feeling tight somewhere, just spray that on wherever you are. It works really fast and it can help. Um, make your sleep a lot more comfortable if it's if you're having issues with muscle tension or muscle activity. Okay, the last thing we want to talk about is pregnancy, nighttime waking uppering. So, wakering uppering. This is I tried to look at if anybody's actually studied normal pregnancy sleep patterns. There's not a lot of interest in like physiological sleep patterns of pregnant women. Why would we care about women that are pregnant? Oh, because there's all this research on how much and how important sleep is for general health. Like, and so, but they are yet to properly 
map what a normal sleeping pattern for a pregnant woman is. And I've heard midwives often, and a lot of women say, yeah, yeah, sleep is disturbed when you're pregnant. It's helping you get ready for parenthood. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. What For whatever reason, during pregnancy, women do seem to sleep poorer. So more waking up through the night. It can either be because you're uncomfortable, because you've got muscle cramps. It can be the weight of the worry of just whatever was happening before you were pregnant, but also adding the fact that you're about to be a parent soon. Uh, It can also be that you need to get up and wee more often. And so you're off, you go to the toilet three times a night. And then if it isn't physiologically normal, I will say that. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a one times, one time a night we're meant to be weaning when we're pregnant. Well, well, we're going to have to have a talk about that in a minute. But so all these reasons that we're waking. So you can approach it differently, whether or not it's normal. And, and, you know, there is so much research around uh, having a good night's sleep. And you can apply a lot of what you would learn about a good night's sleep pre-pregnancy to pregnancy. So things like reducing the use of screens before bed, having a regular waking and sleeping time, you know, not doom scrolling on your phone, low lighting. There's all kinds of relaxation techniques that you can employ. Exercise, improves sleep. There's a whole lot of stuff. I'm not going to be able to go into that today, but there's a great podcast. If I'm going to, I'm going to plug it, it's already famous. It doesn't need me, but the Huberman Lab is a really good podcast, heaps of stuff on stress reduction and and techniques to improve sleep. So if you're if you've perpetually struggled with sleep and now you're bringing that into your pregnancy, go and binge the Huberman Lab. That will be a lot. That will be helpful. But I just wanted to share a quick tip about pregnancy waking. If it's happening for you and you just can't stop it, I think the worst thing you can do is lie awake in bed and wish you were sleeping. I decided in my pregnancy that every time I woke, I woke for hunger. That was the thing I didn't mention. I woke up starving every night, so much so that I used to make myself a plate of food before going to bed, preempting the fact that I'd be waking up hungry. Um, I'm a bit of a little girl and I've always had a really fast metabolism and I guess that just continued through pregnancy. I tried eating an egg before bed and all this kind of stuff to try and keep myself full. But anyway, I used to wake up and have like a literal, about 1 a.m. I would wake up starving, go down and eat food. And then I'd like hate the fact that I was just lying there awake. So I decided to make it productive time. I was like, right, you're not tired right now. Your body's not going to sleep. Just do something. So I would have like my own little mail party. I'd crochet, I'd watch a movie, I'd read a book, I'd do whatever I wanted to do in the complete silence of night with nobody else awake. And then when I started feeling tired, I just went back to bed. And it was my most favourite time of the day, eventually. We moved house when I was pregnant. And so that's when I unpacked. And Mick would wake up in the mornings and we'd have, like, pictures hung on the walls. (laughs) And, like, (laughs) I just just moved into our house (laughs) while I was pregnant. But... I would I would do that and then I would catch up on sleep if I needed to catch up, which I often did during the day. Um, bit tricky for people who are like nine to five workers, but perhaps what that looks like 
is going to bed at seven o'clock if you feel tired, like that real intuitive, what does my body need? Oh, my body needs to go to sleep right now. Oh, but it's only seven o'clock and it's still light. My body needs to go to sleep right now. Like actually um, trusting the body's messaging and listening to that. I think if you can do that with sleep in pregnancy, it's, that will have a phenomenal positive health benefit for postpartum as well, is actually sleeping when you're tired um as as much as possible in 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 the you know real life version of it but yeah 100% I would do the same I would actually make that a really special time and then and and a time to connect with babe which I then loved postpartum because it feels like you're the only one in the world when you're up with your baby at nighttime. And so it just felt like that. Like I love that you called it a Mel, like a Mel party. And so maybe that's the time, especially if you're pregnant with second and subsequent babies, maybe that's the time you connect with your baby. Maybe you go and have a bath and you do a beautiful meditation with your baby. And if we're going to share all the things, my second pregnancy when I was like a 14-year-old boy, that was definitely my sexual connection time to yes. myself. <laughs> yes, actually, I'm remembering. Oh, with your one out and go back to sleep. <laughs> I used to. Oh, now I'm remembering. No, I um actually involved my husband. Uh, actually, you. I'm reminded now. If I couldn't get remind you of all the sexy time you had. <laughs> I did. I was like, Oi, hey, I can't get to sleep. Do you yeah. want to do it? And they, typically, my husband's always willing. So really, he played a really great role in that. But no, I was, I liked the solo stuff in my second pregnancy. Well, you know, because you're really just going for the orgasm at that point. Yeah. You're yeah. Trying to sleep. It was oxytocin. I was like, yeah. make it quick. I don't want to talk. I don't want to be all connected and loving with some other human. And yeah. So it's the, it's. And orgasm super effective at getting you back to sleep, whether or not you want to be flying solo on that or involve your partner. Yeah. And then exercise. Like, and I'm not saying like I sometimes I would get up if I had a lot of energy and I would exercise in terms of traditionally what exercise is thought to look like. So squats and lunges and stuff. But maybe you get up and you do a yoga and you have a yoga practice that you do that's 20 minutes. Or, you know, we've got so many live classes and recordings. So we've got yoga, Pilates, all my current floor classes, heaps of breath work classes. You can get on my platform or whatever you choose to do. Um, I don't care as long as you're connecting to yourself and moving your body. So maybe you get up and you do a 20-minute session and then you go back to bed and it just it mentally feels so much better. Yeah. And it physically feels so much better. And I think so many of us know this. It's just foreign. So the Aware Parenting podcast has a beautiful um, episode on babies and sleep. And I really recommend listening to that in pregnancy. But the three biggest things they talk about that human beings need to, in order to sleep is they need to physically feel tired. So if you've woken up with all this energy, you are no longer physically tired. You are no longer primed for sleep. You need to feel calm in your body. And so, like I said, I would wake up with anxiety. I had anxiety attacks uh, in the night when I was pregnant, both my pregnancies, full-blown physiological anxiety attacks. And I wasn't emotionally supported during that time. And so it was horrific. Um, And so then I would wake up with all this adrenaline and I wasn't calm. So this is where doing something that feels good for you. Like you, I love that you said you crochet, perhaps it's a meditation. I'm not a huge meditator, but I love exercise. I would go to that, like do something that feels good for you, not because we're recommending it. Like maybe you get up and you paint. 
Maybe you get up and you reorganise the cupboards because that feels good. Like what feels good for you? What lights you up? And so it's physically tired, calm and connected, which is why we wake up and want to have sex sometimes or why we want to wake up and talk. And so maybe the connection comes, maybe you wake your partner up and have a chat with them. You know, maybe you write in your journal, whatever is there for you. But those three things are super important. So if you wake up and they're not there, what's going to bring you that to come back into a nervous system state that feels ready for sleep? But, yeah, I do... I know we value productivity over connection a lot in our life and our modernity, but it's about combining the both, I think, when it comes to sleep and being like, you know, what feels good and often productivity does feel good for us. So go for it. Do something. Don't just lie there in frustration because that is just going to have a flow-on effect to your day. Mm. Yeah, 100%. It's, a, it's the worst feeling. And then you just got to remember, I'm a grown-up. I can actually do whatever I want right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, I have one more thing I want to ask. That's all I want to say about sleep right now because that we're just doing the, the very basics. But B, can you give us a very short spiel on weeing during the night when you're pregnant? Yeah, I knew I'd said that and everyone's ears would have pricked up and it's something that I've learned in two different mentorships now and I don't have the evidence to back me up on it because I've learned it through others but others who I deeply respect. Mm-hmm. So basically the... The bladder has stretch receptors in it, and when the bladder gets a certain amount of um, liquid, so it's typically around three to five hundred mils, right, is what we we have. But um, optimal bladder health is really where that bladder is filling to its the amount that it's needed to. The bladder then talks to the brain and says, "I need to go to the toilet," and we come back down. So, urge. Um, like frequency with urge so urge incontinence that need to want to go to the toilet all the time can be multifactorial and sometimes it is baby low and pressing on the bladder but often it can be tension in the pelvic floor issues with bladder alignment so if you've got a prolapse for example or just unhealthy bladder habits so often like we condition ourselves to wee in the shower for example and we don't need to wee when we when we don't need to wee and all that kind of stuff really messages messes with the messages between the organ and the brain and so what we don't want to do is power wee so power wee is where we're forcing wee out and it's that real strain through the urethra and a lot of this actually comes again surprise surprise how we've been conditioned how we've been toilet trained so just go to the toilet because we're going on a big car ride or don't go to the toilet because you're embarrassed to go at school and all those kind of things. So we end up, we control the bladder rather than the bladder controlling itself. And that can set up really unhealthy habits. So yeah, zero to one time, unless you're drinking a hell of a lot, like for example, if you're up for three hours in the night and you're drinking a lot, yeah, we would expect you to go more. But if you're asleep and you're not consuming water and you haven't just drunk a liter before you've gone to bed or eaten a ton of grapes um, and you've gone to the toilet, you know, and when you've needed to just before bed or in that hour or so leading up, we're not in, there, there shouldn't be that much we in your bladder to need to go more than once in that span of time. So that's where it really comes from. Um, and so it's about really checking in and there's exercises you can do in connection to your body that you can do. Like you can get up and stagger your feet, try and breathe into your back and just talk to your bladder, which will be weird for some people who've never done it, but okay, do I actually need to go to the toilet right now? 
Or is this some tension around the pelvic floor? Am I clenching around my clitoris, for example? Which I always say when we're clitoris clenching, it's right around that urethra. Can I let that space go? So the pelvic floor is a defense mechanism. So often when we do feel anxious, there's that clenching. And a lot of women I work with, they often put their hand on their vulva, not for sexual reasons, but for safety. So what is actually going on for you? Are you feeling super nervous and anxious and you just that pelvic floor is clenching and there's not actually a lot? And you'll know because you'll go to the toilet and you'll just there'll be just a dribble that comes out or not much urine. Am I just going because I've told myself I need to? Am I going because of social conditioning, which everybody says you have to go to the toilet more, you know, during during the night? It can be really tricky for those of us that are shift workers that are perhaps have different bladder um, patterns because we are up and working during the night. And again, please don't freak out. There's no right or wrong, but just inviting you to listen to your body more, check in with your body more, and rather than really forcing the wee out, like it's like constipation, but for the bladder and urethra, right, that real power way to see if you can breathe and allow the pelvic floor to lengthen and open and the way to flow out because of that muscle relaxation. There you go. I don't feel so, like I've done that justice at all, but hopefully that's helped well, some people. I think what it's told people is if you're getting up three or four times a night to wee and it's disturbing your sleep, then perhaps you need to consider working on your bladder health this pregnancy in your pelvic space yeah so seeing a a pelvic health practitioner whether that be an osteo and they can do internal work or a physio perhaps you need to exercise more i'm going to say everyone needs to connecting more with your pelvic floor and and the whole space i definitely think any anything where our bladder bowel vagina isn't right and doesn't feel right for us then that is always an invitation to seek care and and work on your body a bit more but yeah 100 percent, it's that time to tune in and same as if you're waking up because your body's sore when you're pregnant Mm. that's your body telling you it's time to pay attention to that and see an osteo physio chiro whoever you need to see to get to to have a comfortable pain-free sleep we shouldn't be in pain and we all know that we've had a fight with our partner or we've had a bad day at work, we're feeling anxious or we've got thoughts running through our head, we don't just hop into bed and go, oh, this feels good and I go to sleep. The brain doesn't know the difference between a saber-toothed tiger and an inbox that's full of emails, right? And so what is happening is you're in a stress state, that sympathetic nervous system domination, and so the body goes, oh, I can't. I can't shut down because I'm not safe. And so really, yeah, super important to address our feelings too. So we offer one-on-one consults and, you know, just book a birth prep chat. It doesn't have to be about birth. It can be some emotional support during pregnancy. We offer emotional support during pregnancy and postpartum for everyone. So if if there's big things going on, reach out, please. We do, we've, I've got the most incredible loving divine team that can offer just emotional pregnancy support so book a chat in and get in emotional needs met but yeah the body and the mind if there are issues with the body and mind they are highlighted pre during and post sleep i feel like the most connected we are to our body is as we go to sleep and as we wake up and so if there are issues you aren't addressing they will present themselves in a dominating way of those hours where we're meant to be asleep. It is a beautiful time to actually connect and go, what's going on for me here? 
Yeah, sleep is a beautiful assessment tool of what is going on in our lives. And when I am well and in balance and when my family is well and in balance, we all sleep well. And when we're not, we don't. And, yeah, that sleep deprivation first postpartum was 100% me not having emotional needs met in postpartum that then had a huge flow-on effect to my child's sleep. Just a lot of love if this is triggering or bringing up a lot for you because it is massive and we can support you in that. So get in touch. Absolutely. And good sleep is a foundation of good health. So don't ignore poor sleep patterns. It's time to take action. And we will, that's it for today. That's our sleep episode, Sleeping Pregnancy. And we will see you in the next episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. Good night. (laughs) Good night. Have a great good sleep. Thanks for listening with us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list at melaniethemidwife.com. Mel sends out weekly emails with access to all the evidence we use in this podcast. You can find out more about Mel at melaniethemidwife.com and find out more about me, B, at coreandfloor.com.au. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode of The Great Birth Rebellion. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> All right. <laughs>